Fresh Art International presents conversations about creativity in the 21st century. This is Fresh Art International. I'm Kathy Bird. Today we take you to the building complex known as Arsenale on the island city of Venice, Italy. The historic shipyard is one of the main venues for the 57th Venice Art Biennale. Inside the New Zealand Pavilion, I immerse myself in artist Lisa Rehana's beautiful exhibition, titled Emissaries. The cinematic centerpiece of her installation is captivating, a vast panoramic video that reimagines the French scenic wallpaper, Les Sauvages de la Mer Pacifique, or in English, Savages of the Pacific Ocean. Completed in 1805, the 20-panel design represents a colonial perspective, the memory of British explorer Captain James Cook's Pacific Voyages. I sit on a bench watching as life-size vignettes scroll past from right to left on a wall-sized screen that spans the room. Imagine pages from a history book coming to life, but with a twist. In these scenes, the gaze is reversed. We see the impact of imperialism through the eyes of the colonized. So I'm standing here in the New Zealand Pavilion. The first time the New Zealand Pavilion has been inside the main Biennale grounds, which is pretty exciting. It's a fantastic honour, I think, for New Zealand. It's only the eighth time that New Zealand had representation within the Biennale. For the very first time, we've got invited into the Arsenale, and it's really fantastic to be at the centre of things because, as you can see, you know the numbers of people coming through are incredible. This project is called Emissaries. What will people encounter if they come into this space, which is in one of the oldest buildings of the Arsenale? Well, it's made up of three components. There's two larger-than-life portraits that um, bookend either end of the gallery space. The name of the building is Tessa del Isolotto, which means Little Island. And at the entrance, there's the, the chief mourner, which is a figure from Tahiti who went out of use back in the 1800s due to the changes of religion coming into the islands. At the other end, there's Joseph Banks. And the main part of the work is a very large panoramic video which is 25 metres long and 4 metres high from which these two characters are drawn and the work in pursuit of Venus in fact it makes reference to love because I always like to have something really positive and love is always at the centre of it all. The third component of the work is a series of telescopes and I was interested in the telescopes because Galileo came here to Venice to Murano to create the glass that's ground to look at the skies. Within those telescopes, I've repurposed them to have images of... Um, there's a calling card from Omai, who was a Tahitian, who was taken to England in the 1800s. And there's also a couple of artefacts that I've taken from museums and tried to give them a context and remind people that these things that get collected and shift through time still have another purpose. And for Indigenous people, they are like ancestors. There's a sense of life at the centre of them. 
And your work is based on fiction, history, and myths. Yeah, In Pursuit of Venus and Vectage was inspired by a French scenic wallpaper called Les Sauvages de la Mer Pacifique. And I saw it with my partner a number of years ago, over 10 years ago now. And what struck me about this piece was it was supposedly representing the peoples of the Pacific, of which I hail. But for me, I just found it incredibly strange because I couldn't recognise anybody in this particular work. It was like a fabulation, a, a fiction, a concoction. Perhaps about seven years ago, I rediscovered the catalogue and just had a eureka moment and thought I really wanted to bring that project to life, bring the wallpaper to life, but populate it with the sights and sounds and the peoples that I know which make up the Pacific. I see through the piece, which I sat and enjoyed very much. It's, it's quite mesmerizing. It's sort of like a cyclorama, it feels. The story revolves around you while you sit. And I thought that's a very different way of doing this panoramic video. It's kind of a strange work in a way because it kind of cuts across a lot of cinematic conventions. The work flows from right to left and it moves in quite a gentle but I shot it in the green screen using that process so I used it to bring characters into the field of play but there's no cutaways, there's no close-ups so I think for the audience it's almost a sense of bearing witness it's a very interesting way of presenting information without telling people how to think but allowing them to see um, sights and sounds and these are historic but from a, an artist's perspective it's a different way of understanding history as but then to work with actors and other talent and ancestral people, to see them before your eyes is quite different. It's a different way to gain knowledge. I was reading more about this idea of the colonial gaze mm. of desire and power mm. that's represented in the work. Mm. I'm of mixed ancestry. I hail from New Zealand, so the indigenous people from New Zealand are Maori. We were colonised by the British, so from my mother's side, I'm British and Welsh. So it's um, a sort of an in-between space that I occupy. And I think in these current times of misunderstandings and cultures and people washing up on shores and all those kind of things, I mean... It's, the refugee um, and migrant crisis. Absolutely, and the diaspora, and I think these um, things will never go away. They're going to um, come again and again. So I think trying to present something to create a sense of hope and understanding and... You know, just that sitting back and not making assumptions or coming to sort of hard conclusions immediately. Uh, the work is quite complex and deep and layered. And I think through that sitting with it for a while, you get that sense of the nuances. And, you know, nothing is really black and white. There are these various shades in between. And I really wanted to introduce that as an idea for the audience. Tell me about the soundtrack. Well, it was fantastic. I worked with my partner, uh, James Pinker, who um, is the sound designer of the work, and it really does take you on an emotional arc. We were able to work with a number of different museums. Within the soundtrack, we have traditional instruments that were collected on Cook's voyages that ended up in museums and not played for over 100, 200 years. And we were able to play with those recordings and create those sort of sounds. They are like the sounds of the ancestors. 
One of the questions that James asked of an ethnomusicologist is, Captain Cook in the 1700s, if he had an iPod, what would he be listening to? And it was an interesting question, and so he came back with bark. So there's a series of refrains that come processed through the work as well. So there's this kind of a balance between indigenous uh, sounds with Western music traditions because so many different Pacific nations of Samoa, the Cook Islands, Nui, uh, Tahiti, many, many places have taken on various religions that now are very imbued with that type of um, sound and beat, adding to that complexity and a texture and a tapestry of, of, of sounds. I like the experimentation that is evident in the piece, behind the piece as we're speaking, but also that sense of, like I said, the transformation of a cyclorama idea. And I read you've been in the forefront of experimentation with time-based media in New Zealand. I've always been intrigued by looking and ways of seeing. When I was finishing art school, New Zealand media was starting to embrace Māori and incorporate the language on television. And I was asked if I would like to be involved with TV broadcasting. And a lot of the TV broadcast might sit around the news or documentary. And I love documentary, I love those forms. But I feel that working in the art world, there's a different time signature which is more interesting for me. It's not broadcasting, it's like this sort of narrow casting in a way. People come, they can spend time with work, they can return to it. I love that aspect of presenting in galleries, the internet as, a, as another form of communication. But I decided that I wanted to be a filmmaker that was working in the art world because I could really see that it was offering a new space and a new place from which to speak from. What I'm also interested in is knowing that you are committed in your work and engaging with community. Mm. And I wonder how you involved your community in this piece. Sure. I mean, it's a big thing as a person of a particular um, tribal descent, as I said before, I'm Maori, to um, work with other communities and other peoples. But I was trying to find some strategies that would be ethically responsive. So one of the things that I would do is invite people to partake in the project, come up with a couple of storylines that I would offer, but also say to them, look, if there's a response that you would prefer to be within what is the structure of the wallpaper, then you have that space and that opportunity to do that too. So sometimes we were setting up the studio and I even didn't know what I would be recording. But I think that sense of believing in people and trusting that they will give what is the right thing is such a nice opportunity. So there's some improvisational aspects to the performance. Absolutely. I mean, I didn't have a lot of money to do this project. So many times we might have maybe gone to a second take if we could. The improvisation came from people's embodied knowledge. For 
people to feel that there was that trust from me is really important because I knew that Les Sauvages de la Mer Pacific, this French scenic wallpaper, is actually a document of a time of colonisation. It really speaks about these hierarchies of racism were kind of set around these times. I felt that the way that I would approach and talk to different people was really important. I didn't want to recolonize colonize people. And for the audience too, like sometimes just to kind of resist the gaze or that idea of performing. There's a number of scenes where different groups are dancing for their own pleasure. Yes. I thought that was really important. Many people know about Maori culture because we have the haka. It's performed uh, before rugby games. It's a very sort of strong, warrior, powerful, resonant performance. I've got one haka in this work, but what I've done is I turned the group of males behind, so you're actually seeing them from behind. And what that means is instead of being performed to, it's like they are performing on behalf of you, and it t- puts you in the position of being the people of the land or tangata whenua in our language. I think a a useful way of describing it is thinking of it as a moving image tapestry. There's a number of vignettes, a number of little stories all happening concurrently, so time is kind of mucked up and played with as well. Mesmerising is a word that people keep using again and again, and it keeps you wanting to watch. What point of view would you like people to understand about you as an artist and your culture from this experience? I think the fact that you can have multiple points of view and being able to achieve that empathy, I think that's what the world needs now, is is that ability to see things from multiple perspectives. This is Fresh Art International. I'm Kathy Bird. You've been listening to my conversation with New Zealand artist Lisa Rehana at the Venice Art Biennale. Rehana reverses the imperial gaze that Great Britain cast on New Zealand two centuries ago. This artist suggests that we reconsider the meaning of authenticity, history, and myth. Drawing on contemporary audiovisual technologies, inviting indigenous actors to interpret their own cultural history, and reanimating traditional instruments and artifacts, Lisa Rehana reveals how beauty, power, and desire have shaped her home country. To learn more and hear other conversations we captured in Venice, visit freshartinternational.com. If you like what you're hearing, please let us know at freshartintl. You can find more of these conversations anywhere you go for podcasts. Thank you for listening. Stay tuned for more contemporary art talk.